Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, do you collect coins? Yeah, just in case vending machines become the dominant race. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkbaum. And I'm George Decay. <laughs> All right, Joe, come on. Joe. I'm sorry. Don't, don't play out. with my emotions that way. Who are you really? Okay, I'm Joe McCormick. Today... We are going to do a listener request episode, and it's one of the weirder listener requests we've gotten. Actually, I don't know how weird it is. Maybe it's weird that it's so mundane. Uh, the request is the request is normal. It was the listener who was weird. <laughs> no, I'm no. Kidding. I'm kidding. This From our came... wonderful listener, Dan. Dan, yeah, via email, he said, I wanted to ask you guys about vending machines and the future possibilities. It went from an old Coke machine to ATMs. I remember that Tech Stuff episode and rerun, and even vending machines that buy your electronics at the mall. I even remember seeing an article about marijuana vending machines in Colorado. Would love to hear back from you guys. Dan. Well, thank you for that suggestion, Dan. And the more I thought about this, the more I actually did kind of want to talk about vending machines, where we are now, what's the what's the cutting edge of 
of automated vending and then the future because the main thing that Im- immediately popped into my head was the role vending machines play in video games <laughs> where in video games vending machines are a great place to get uh, guns and ammunition mm-hmm. and foods that magically heal traumatic wounds instantly Buffer- Absolutely. buffers that magically make you better at whatever particular thing you need to be better at in mm-hmm. that point of the game. Yeah, so are are we trending toward that kind of future, like the, the guns, the Bioshock guns future. and ammo from, yeah. a, from a vending machine? Well, I guess it's a Bioshock past. Plasmid anyway. and Vigors, yeah, the yeah. retro future. Retro future. Um, no. no. I don't think <laughs> no, we're gonna... I, Yeah, I certainly hope not. But what is the future of vending? And before that, what is the past of vending machines? Now, I have to say, I originally kind of scoffed at this idea, and I apologize for it, because the more we thought about it, the more I was like, you know, this is actually a much better a much better topic than I gave it credit for. So, Dan, you have my sincere apologies for the scoffing that you did not hear. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's let's look back on the history of vending machines. And it goes back to one of my favorite people in history. I have talked about this dude. Edison? No, not Edison. Tesla. I've got to go further back than that. Uh, let's see. Uh, ben Franklin. Did he create like a vending machine for turkey meat or something? Oddly enough, yes. But no, he did not. I, I'm talking about someone else. Someone. That Billy I, Shakespeare. <laughs> I do love myself the bard. Let me tell you, I could rattle off some of that Shakespeare right now. Who is it, Jonathan? It is Hero of Alexandria, Heron, also known. Heron. You guys know who Heron is? I know Lauren knows who Heron is. Yeah, we were just talking about this dude uh, over on Tech Stuff stuff the other day. Yeah, so Heron of Alexandria is known for lots of different inventions, including early versions of the steam engine, devices used to open up temple doors as if by magic. The, it was really by steam. It really was by steam. The guy was the guy was pretty phenomenal. Well, around 215 BCE, he got to inventing a water dispenser that was coin operated, supposedly uh, for things like in Egypt, where, you know, you might need some water after a nice uh, long trip across the, the hot burning sands. You had to pay for water? That's barbaric. Well, no, know, that's civilized. It's incredibly <laughs> civilized. So the way his dispenser worked was really pretty ingenious. So imagine, if you will, a cylinder. Got it. So you've got this big cylinder and you fill it up with water. Now, on the base of that cylinder, inside the cylinder... There's a little tube that uh, projects up from the bottom a few inches. And at the the base of it is a hole that leads out. This is where you would, you know, stick your cup underneath that hole to dispense water. There's a plug or a stopper of some sort that covers up that hole normally so water doesn't just immediately flow out of the cylinder, which would make it far less useful. Uh, This plug is attached by a chain or string of some sort to a lever. So when the lever is in the down position on the plug side, the plug is covering the hole. On the other side of the lever is a small platform, which is positioned directly under a coin slot. So when you put a coin in the coin slot, the coin falls, hits the platform, lifts the lever up, which raises the plug, which allows water to flow through the hole, thus dispensing your liquid. And then uh, once the coin slides off the platform, because, you know, the platform keeps tilting downward, the platform will raise back up to its normal position. The plug will come down and cover the hole again, so you won't end up losing all that precious water. Brilliant. Yeah. Until somebody shows up with a few lead discs 
Yeah, and then they end up with a lot of water and blindness. <laughs> <laughs> so that taught them the so-and-sos. Uh, but there are other examples of ancient or at least very, very old vending machines, or at least predecessors to them. Uh, another example dates to 1076 Common Era in China, when Chinese inventors created a device that would dispense pencils for money. Pencils? Yeah, that I, I read about this in several sources. However, I never saw any illustrations of what it looked like, so mm. I don't know what mechanism it used in order to do this. But um, there are a lot of people who are very convinced that it actually was a thing. So uh, I I will say this one is potentially apocryphal, <laughs> since I couldn't find definitive resources to show it. But it's cited lots of places. Okay, uh, but this next one is definitely on the record. Yeah, in fact, it was another one that I was not sure about till Joe found the the, the a, an example of it and sent it to me, and I was like, "Oh, awesome! It really did exist." Uh, this would be in the 18th century, so the 1700s. Uh, certain English taverns had what were called honor boxes, also sometimes known as trust boxes. It's where you store your honor while you're at the tavern. <laughs> you would think, but no. <laughs> no, the honor has no place in a tavern. No, that's not that's not true. That's in not fact, true at all. Honor was, in fact, very important for this box. The way it worked was that you had a box that had a coin slot in it. You would put a an English penny in the coin slot for the English ones anyway. And this would uh, activate a mechanism that would unlock the box so you could lift the top of the box. Right. The one I saw in the picture had like a button. So it seems like when you drop a, a coin into the slot, it allowed you to press a button that would pop the lid open. And mm -hmm. that, that would give you access to the contents inside the box, which happened to be tobacco. Uh, loose tobacco, usually for a pipe. Uh, right. And the honor part came in because it, you were trusted upon being able to access the contents of the box that you wouldn't take the entire contents of the box, but rather <laughs> a single serving of right. tobacco. It's kind of like those uh, like uh, newspaper dispensers. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. You're on the honor system. Right, right. right. Boy, did I make out like a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, just armfuls of newspapers. Uh, <laughs> except I always did the free weekly one, so I don't know that that... Uh, anyway. All right, so the concept of modern vending <laughs> so machines... So many real estate listings. <laughs> Going to heat your house. Yeah. <laughs> creative, creative loafing circulation is my house. Uh, the concept of modern vending machines really dates to the 19th century, late 19th century, Victorian era of uh, England, London, England, really. And there are a couple of different examples. The earliest one, or at least the mention, I kept finding uh, sites that said the earliest uh, vending machine of this era was for postcards in London, that you mm -hmm. would use some coins to get a postcard from it. But there was also a shopkeeper, a bookshop owner named uh, Richard Carlyle, who created a vending machine that sold books. And soon uh, you had ones that would sell food. You could put, you know, the people who owned the vending machine would put food in it. And business people who are really on their way to work, doing important business things, uh, who don't have time to pop into a pub for a pint or three, would end up putting some money in one of these, pull out some food so they can eat on the run. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, if you look over at the United States at around the same time, uh, there were also inventions that fell into the vending machine category, including one from the Adams Gum Company. Mm -hmm. They built chewing gum vending machines that would dispense tutti fruity gum for the princely sum of one penny. Unfortunately, it was already chewed. <laughs> no, no, Joe, it was not already chewed. Uh, by 1896, the U.S. Patent Office would begin granting patents for vending machines. It was off to the races at that point. And 
obviously vending machines have been used for lots of different things. I mean, I remember as a kid going to restaurants and seeing lots of cigarette vending machines, the old like the old kind where you put in coins and pull a handle and then a carton of cigarettes would well pack of cigarettes, not carton, would pop out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they, they're still in use in some states in the United States in businesses that are 21 and up, I believe. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. at least 18 and up. That would make so sense. It's a cigarette age. Yeah. 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 That would make sense. So bars uh, mostly. It used to be that you could find them all over the darn place uh, because I remember as a child running across them all the time. I also I, like my, had them in Red Lobster and stuff. Oh, yeah. Sure. My personal favorite was uh, uh, vending machines because I am Georgia boy were the old uh, Coke glass bottle vending machines, which Ooh. have a have a, mm-hmm. have a little it's almost like a fridge door. You would put a coin in, it would unlatch the fridge door and then you could pull the uh, bottle of Coke out from one of the little dispenser units mm-hmm. and then you would drink your Coke and then return the bottle for a small deposit. And that was my childhood summed up right there in that experience. Um, That's so I, I sweet. Was... I always liked all the little rubber bouncy ball vending machines, oh, like yeah. the quarter vending machines like, at a Publix or whatever. Now they have the ones where it's like the gumballs or whatever that have the long, almost like corkscrew slide thing. So not Ooh. only not only is it that, that you get a some gum, you get to watch it roll down this kind of almost uh, Rube Goldbergian like yeah. pathway. You know the uh, the corkscrews that I remember are the ones you've probably seen in most of the like can, you know food candy bar kind of machines that have chips and, mm. and all that stuff in them, where they've got the corkscrew that unwinds to drop your thing and, just and, enough hypothetically to drop a single product and advance the ones behind it up to dropping position for the next person. Ah, uh, right. Unless something is slightly off and then nothing drops out, or more than one thing drops out. In which case, jackpot. Now, also. Uh, Going back to the history of vending machines, there were entire restaurants that used vending machines as yeah. means of getting food. Automats. Automats. I've been to those. Have you, either of you been to an automat? Yeah, yeah. They're I've seen them in movies. Really novel and not yeah. very cool. They're not very in good. Practice. No. Yeah. Well, there's sandwiches, <laughs> like because obviously you know it's it's food that's been prepared well ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know you want to you want to pick your battles, uh, I would not go for an egg salad sandwich in an automat, for example. Well, However, I mean, they are refrigerated. Yeah, but, yeah, but still. Or, or or slightly heated, maybe. Depending on the one. Yeah, <laughs> usually the ones I encountered were normally um, sandwiches, so they yeah. were just kind of refrigerated. Yeah. And slices of pie. I, I specifically remember hospitals. A lot of hospitals in Georgia had automats for their cafeterias as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a lot of those when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and uh, if you have not seen an example of an automat, this is a thing where it's sort of like a like a wall of little cubbies of food and you put a coin into a machine and either uh, uh, you know select a series of buttons the way that you would on a droppity food vending machine that Joe was just talking about. Yeah. I'm sure there's a word for that that's better than droppity food. Um, but uh... I'm going to call it a gravity well vending machine. <laughs> it's, a, it's an arm trap is what it's called. <laughs> oh, where, where you're like, I'm going to get that Snickers whether whether this machine wants me to or not. <laughs> right. Uh, or, or you would drop a coin into a specific uh, cubby slot and then it allows you to, uh, it releases a mechanism that allows you to open the door and take your your sandwich or can of soda or your, piece of pie. Your or... ideally delicious food. Yes. Uh, in practice, maybe not so much. So, uh, you know, those actually kind of died out mostly in the in the 1980s. Um, they, they haven't. There's still places where you can find them. And sometimes they're kitschy kind of uh, popular spots because of the novelty factor. Uh, sure, sure. Well, and that, that nostalgia factor of them being sure. from the 50s or 60s. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, well, what's going on with vending machines today? 
So, is there really anything to say about them on the technological front as, as they stand? There's tons of stuff to say about them, actually. And some of them, some of it's technological and some of it's more of a policy issue. For example, on the policy side in the United States, the FDA has ruled that vending machine operators will have to provide a sticker or placard detailing the calorie count of food items sold within vending machines. Ooh. Clearly, that only applies to vending machines that sell food. If you're talking about the vending machines at your airport that sell, like, Electronics this and stuff. iPod contains <laughs> 942 calories. And eight. well, if you're going to eat it, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the way you think. Uh, but uh, there have been critics who said, "Hey, this is putting an, an uh, unnecessary uh, burden upon the people, the companies that own the vending machines, because they have to spend the money to pr- produce the this, placard or sure. sticker." Uh, although we are also seeing new smart vending machines, which don't even have necessarily a window for you to see the products. It may have a screen, an interactive screen that shows you what products are inside of it. And that same screen could show things like nutritional information without having any additional placards or stickers necessary. I generally think that adding the nutritional information to in a way that's easily accessible by the consumer is terrific in all cases I, all the time I think so too I would like to I would like to at least have that moment of regret before I put my money in and Indeed. choose the thing I'll still do it but at least I have the moment of regret um, so another feature with smart vending machines there are quite a few actually and we'll talk about some of the the uh, the kind of on the the brink ones a little bit but one of them is that you usually have connectivity to a home base. So in other words, the smart vending machine is connected back to whatever company is in charge of that vending machine. And that way, whenever uh, a particular item starts running low, it alerts the company. And it goes through the Wi-Fi or cellular or whatever, whatever it is. Right, right. It sends a message back and says, guys, uh, we're running really low on moon pies. We need moon pie stat. Yes, critical moon pie situation. The, the RC cola machine next to us is laughing at us if we do not get more moon pies. And uh, and so then you would have someone come out and bring moon pies and, and uh, replenish the machine. Now, in the old days, the way this worked was that you would just have a technician, uh, like someone who actually stocks these things. Mm-hmm. Come out, you know, once every so often. Right. And then they would look at the machine and then restock it based upon what was uh, already, you know, depleted. But this way you could, one, meet increased demand whenever there was increased demand, and two, not send anyone out if for some reason traffic had slowed down. So let's say, for example, the vending machine is at a college campus and you're talking about the summer session. It's probably going to have a lot lower traffic than it would through the rest of the year. And, and fewer people drinking Yoohoo. Right. So therefore, True. you don't need to have someone go out as frequently. And this way, you would actually know when you needed to send someone out and you could you could uh, uh, be more efficient. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, maybe you had only scheduled a technician to come out once every three weeks instead of once every two weeks in those situations. But then all of a sudden there was a big football game or something. And yeah. And moon I pies. What, I don't know why that would happen in the summer. But Me sure. neither. But hey, you know, I don't know how those football summer works. football games. <laughs> Maybe it's a big football <laughs> practice and everyone wanted to go. And there you it out. go. That's um, realistic. But the other one is that uh, if the machine breaks down, it, right. could, it could end up sending a signal or the lack of signal could be an alert to the home base to say, all right, we need to send someone out there to look at this and to service it so that it comes back online. Yeah. Uh, I wonder which, if there's a special function for like a kid got his arm stuck in the machine again. Yeah. 
Maybe, again. maybe it could even be that like the it just says the the trap door has been open an inordinately long amount of time. You may <laughs> want to send somebody to check it out. But uh, again, the the cool thing about this is that they can send someone right away. You reduce the downtime of that vending machine, which is a benefit for everybody. The people who frequent the vending machine and the company that services it, plus all the products that are actually being shown in that one, right? I mean, it means that you have the least amount of downtime possible, mm -hmm. ideally. So uh, that's one thing that's happening right now. Of course, you've got credit cards. Which, for the longest time, vending machines did not accept, yeah. right? You had to have coins or dollars. Hey, man, uh, do you have any quarters? Yeah. And that boy. I really want to get some hot fries. Especially especially <laughs> if uh, you all you had were really wrinkly bills and the bill uh, acceptor was not taking them like you're, you're cramming the bill into the into the machine. and It's just not taking it. How many times have we been there? Many, many times in my case. So we're seeing a lot more <laughs> machines now that do accept credit cards, although even that is almost an outdated technology at this point, uh, particularly if you're outside the United States and you're using something like a chip and pen system everywhere else. Right. So uh, there we really got to be talking about near field communication. Yeah. Yeah. Near field communication is becoming a new kind of standard that we're starting to see on a lot of uh, uh, vending machines that are being produced today. And NFC technology is one that's similar to other wireless radio transmissions. In this case, it's one that takes place over a very short distance. So uh, you have to be very close to whatever you're communicating with in order for this to happen. That's why you see like devices that are allowed to share contact information. You put the two phones right up next to each other. That's why, because the communication uh, distance is only effective at a very short range. But you could have like an online wallet sort of situation like Google Wallet or the, the iPay, the, the Apple version uh, or one of a thousand other ones that is on your phone in some sort of app. And assuming that the vending machine can accept that, you would hold your phone up and do your purchase through your phone, uh, never having to actually pull out any kind of cash or credit card in order to complete that transaction. Uh, so we're starting to see that in newer vending machines, um, which is great because for the longest time, NFC technology, particularly in the U.S., was one of those things we talked about a lot but didn't really see that frequently. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to finally change, which is kind of cool. Uh, there's some other ones that have interesting features to them, like the EatWave. What? EatWave? EatWave. It is a vending machine that can have both refrigerated items and microwavable items in the same vending machine. And for your microwavable goods, it will microwave them for you and then dispense them for you. So you would pick your thing. Let's say you want a nice hot apple turnover. <laughs> also known as the scalder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you want this to be really precise and, and not to overheat things to the point where you're going to uh, suffer an, a, a, a fate like the bad guys in Raiders of the Lost Ark at the end of the movie. <laughs> your face just melts off as you take a bite out of your apple turnover. Um, but, yeah, it has a microwave incorporated into the vending machine and it quote unquote, knows which items are which. So your cold items are delivered cold. Your microwave items are are either defrosted or, or heated up, whatever it needs to happen so that you can consume them right there in the machine before it dispenses it to you, uh, which is pretty neat. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, does it do Hot Pockets? Because I'm sure that's the question Ben Bolin would want answered. I'm sure it 
could. I don't know if that's one of the things that you commonly find. I have never personally set eyes upon an Eat Wave machine. I've only read about them and and dreamed, kind of like a uh, uh, Westeros. Those are the two things I dream about: is the Eat Westeros wave. and Eat Waves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even when you're standing there in front of the vending machine, you have to think at the back of your mind: winter is coming. And even when you're riding a dragon, you have to think, where's my hot pocket? That's right. I mean, it goes both ways. Yeah. So I'm sure George R. R. Martin will get on that in the next novel. Anyway, uh, one of the other elements. Hot <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now I want to hear a full version of the Game of Thrones theme with all this, all the notes just replaced by someone singing Hot Pockets. Well, Captain. <laughs> At any rate, you may have also heard some stories back in December 2014 about the amazing vending machines of the future that use facial recognition software and hardware. Except here's the thing. All of the articles I was reading was like, it's the first vending machine to use that. And I said, shenanigans, because I specifically remember covering this for tech stuff. The fact that facial recognition hardware has been a part of vending machines in certain parts of the world for several years. You know, I basically almost never say something was the first of something, because every time somebody says something like that, they turn out to be wrong. Yeah. yeah. And that's the call for shenanigans. And then the second for shenanigans, and then we all grab our brooms. Uh, so back in 2008, there was a Japanese company that introduced some vending machines that had facial recognition hardware and software for age verification, specifically to vend cigarettes. Okay. Uh, the age in Japan for the legal purchase of cigarettes is 20. So what they did was they built this facial recognition hardware into the vending machines that, in theory, would look at a person's face and look for features that you would expect in someone who is over the age of 20 and who smokes. So wrinkles, some sagging flesh. I'm not making this up. It was really looking for things that were not associated with a young looking face. And if the face were to match, then that would be an indicator that, yes, this person is allowed to buy cigarettes. I mean, could you just kind of hold up a potato? No, but you could hold up a photo. <laughs> In fact, there was a there was a, a reporter. Oh, is this the photo of Bruce Willis that fooled the machine? Uh, it's One of the photos they used was of Bruce Willis. It wasn't the <laughs> only one, however. Uh, there was a reporter with Sankei Sports that went around and looked at various vending machines in different cities in Japan, trying different types of photographs. One was uh, of, a, um, I think uh, there was one that was a man in his 50s. There was another one that was a woman in her 30s. And depending upon the size of the photo, it seemed to work pretty well. Like if, you're, if your photo was too small, it would no longer work. It wouldn't mm -hmm. fool the machine. But if the photo was of a, a large enough size, and we're just talking about a few inches where you can hold it up to the camera at a proper appropriate <laughs> distance. Although it, it should be said that this was not the only method of age ver verification that the machines were using. Right. Uh, cigarette machines in general in Japan tend to have another form of age verification. You have to have something called a TASPO card. TASPO, by the way, stands for Tobacco Passport. It's a uh, it's a You're one going, way ticket. To... I'm going to cancer country. Yeah, it's flavor country. It's flavor country. No, it really is terrible. Uh, anyway, TASPO cards uh, are an age verification cards where you've you've had to apply for it and prove your age. And then you get the card it has an RFID chip inside of it. So that way you would use that tap that while uh, while purchase, making your purchase to prove that you are, in fact, of the age that is uh, allowed to purchase cigarettes legally. So, um, yeah, uh, you would probably need one of those as well as the the picture of Bruce Willis for you to order your your um, illicit cigarettes when you are young. 
Um, don't smoke, kids. So, but really, your one-stop shop for this would be stealing Bruce Willis's passport, right? Or just stealing Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Don't if you're not going to smoke. Also, just don't kidnap Bruce Willis, guys. I. But if you are going to smoke, you might as well kidnap. Okay, Bruce Willis. I see. I see your point now. That's no, perfect logic. I, I think it's just. I think as... everything about that was wrong. We can move on. <laughs> All right. There it, were there were more of these though. Yeah, in 2010, uh, there was another story about Japanese vending machines that could detect gender and age range based on face recognition hardware and software. And these were uh, beverage machines, so not not cigarette machines. So why would you want to detect someone's gender and age? Well, these machines would give recommendations of what drinks a person might like based upon their demographics. That sounds totally offensive. It does, doesn't it? So, yeah, they said that their market research showed that young women liked sweeter drinks than middle-aged men, for example. So okay. the drinks that it would suggest would be more along the lines of the sweet drinks that their, their market research had shown women tend to prefer. Now, you could choose anything. Sure. You weren't forced into whatever was suggested for you. And those suggestions would also change depending upon things like how late in the day it was it and what was the temperature outside. So something like if it was a hotter day, it might uh, might suggest a more, quote unquote, refreshing beverage, um, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so like uh, a lemonade instead of a yoo-hoo. OK. Now, according to a spokesperson for the J.R. Eastwater Business Company, the new machine saw three times as much traffic as their older uh, machines that did not have this software could not make these recommendations. I'm, I'm sure the novelty factor was it was probably part of it. In play. It may have even been that people started to discover beverages they never tried before and yeah. really enjoyed them. Sure. And then didn't know where else to get them and thus were hooked into the system. Uh, in 2014, that's when we saw a lot more stories about vending machines with facial recognition capabilities. And this was when the technology was kind of breaking out of Japanese vending machines and making its way into ones in the, in the United States, the United Kingdom, places like that. And, of course, it was being reported like it was all brand new and the first time ever anyone did it ever. Trust me, if we're talking about technology, you want to look to Japan before you make that statement. Uh, anyway, the, these machines can market to you based upon your appearance, very similar to the one we just talked about in 2010 in Japan. But beyond that, if you frequent a particular machine, you could end up being recognized by that machine. It actually has facial recognition software. Oh, so it's like, oh, hey, Jonathan, I see you're back. Yeah. And I know that you have a habit of buying this particular drink. So would you do you want that again? Here's just your one stop shop. You just push this little button mm -hmm. and you're going to get exactly what you want. Also, users who frequently order this drink also frequently order this drink. Yes. Also, uh, buy nine and your 10th one's free. Right. Exactly. You can get loyalty programs. A lot of this is is leveraging stuff that has been proven to work in other areas. So, for example, the you might also like, very similar to Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. And the loyalty programs are just like everything. Like if you've ever gone to any coffee shop, there's probably a loyalty program there. Uh, and, and lots of other retail establishments use that same sort of model. So why not vending machines? And this is uh, one of the things that uh, that the facial recognition hardware might allow people to do. You might think it's a little creepy that the machine knows who you are and what you like, but on the flip side, it may mean that you don't have to surf through, you know, 20 other choices that are not valid to your your needs and you just get immediately what you want when you want it. So it all depends on your perspective. You know, I don't know how much there is to this, but I at least saw some sensational looking headlines about uh, future vending machines that will be designed to food shame you. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's actually the, I've seen some stuff too that I I don't know if it was based upon any specific reports or if it was just sort of a, a conjecture. Yeah, yeah, conjecture. yeah. Of, of, of like well, thought if, experiment. That's a generous way. Well, if if, if, if nice. these machines recognize you, then uh they can keep databases of information about you and your family members and and they can recommend products to your really chubby butt. Or yeah. maybe, maybe they just they... look at you and say, "You don't look like you need a Snickers." Or even... or, or say oh, yeah, like, like like you look like you've given up. Let me give you two. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm about to say, I don't think there's ever going to be a machine that's going to say like, "No, I'm not going to sell anything to you." <laughs> like, it's kind of <laughs> antithetical to the whole purpose. Be, now, I might say, "You don't really want that thing. You want this other thing that would be better for you." It also happens to be twice as expensive. Mm. That I could totally mm-hmm. see. But uh, there's also some concerns that it could be hooked into things like medical records. So let's say that you are someone who has <laughs> diabetes and you come up to the machine. The machine will not show you anything that could potentially cause you harm. On the one hand, that sounds like it's a responsible thing. On the other hand, anytime you have any sort of point of contact that has access to things like medical records, that's a potential vulnerability and a huge security concern. Yeah, no. Also, I mean, I I balk at the very idea that, that in this, our free society, we are not allowed to kill ourselves slowly with the things that we consume. Well, maybe it would be something like, Lauren, you would walk up to it. It would say, Lauren, no, you don't really want that particular treat because that's going to make you stabby stabby. So let's have this other treat that's going to make you happy happy. I don't know, man. Or it might be like, uh, Lauren, warning, this has lots of peppers in it. Yeah. Well, that would be a good one. I, I would totally take that kind of warning. Like, hey. This well, is- yeah, it, it could be something like allergies as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that is a total possibility. But... You know, what I would prefer is when you walk up to it, if you were making a profile, for example, you might say, oh, I'm allergic to peanuts, for example. Then then it could avoid from that moment on with facial recognition saying, oh, this person happens to be allergic to peanuts. There's no connecting to any kind of medical database in that sense. You've just set up a profile with preferences and things that you should not have. Granted, if you're allergic right. to peanuts, you probably don't want to get something from a vending machine that has a lot of stuff that has peanuts in it anyway. Oh, you can try the new uh, Snickers that has salt cod instead of peanuts. Ah, the Ludfisk Snickers. <laughs> this also sounds like the kind of thing that I, w- I would just go up to with like pictures of all of my friends and teach the machine, like, this person only likes salt cod. Only vend them this pers- salt cod This person Snickers. only likes the super sour uh, gummy worms. That's, on- that's the only thing they ever want. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about some uh, some of the the weird and extravagant vending machines I came across while doing research on this topic. You know, I saw these notes you wrote, Jonathan, yeah. and I was like, well, obviously Jonathan's been had by some people pulling April Fool's pranks. No, I did extensive research so to make certain these things really did exist. These are apparently all real. Yeah. So uh, let's say that you are, you know, you're a mover and or a shaker. And uh, you are one of the hot people. And, of course, you're living in Beverly Hills because where else would you live? And there you decide, you know what? I'm in the mall and I really want some caviar. So I'm just going to walk up to this vending machine that sells caviar at Escargot and plunk in about 500 bucks for some caviar. The Beluga caviar sells for $500 an ounce. You can buy an ounce of Beluga caviar (laughs) for $500. At one of these vending machines. You know, knock yourself out. Oh, and also, in case you're worried about looking gauche, eating your caviar with a plastic spoon from the food court, you can also buy a mother of pearl spoon to go with that. So that way, oh. you know. You well, can that's be good. 
I'm glad. I'm relieved. So do you actual... get to keep the spoon or do you just like put a deposit on it? <laughs> I think I think well you can either keep it or you just toss it to the side because everything in your life is disposable at that point. Yeah, no, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um uh then uh, obviously you would probably use some sort of credit card or NFC device because I don't think anyone wants to sit there feeding five hundred one dollar bills and like, I gotta get that caviar <laughs> four hours later. Oh, it's gonna be so good. <laughs> So uh, there are vending machines in China that sell uh, live crabs. I wrote life crabs. <laughs> you know, I the thought video. the life crab must be some special kind of device. I That's, saw the typo and chose not to correct I, it. I am so happy that not only did you choose not to correct it, but I chose to go ahead and call it out anyway. <laughs> it should be live crabs in our notes, not life crabs. Life crabs. Life crabs. <laughs> no, but live crabs almost as interesting as life crabs. If um, there was a machine that just said life crabs, I'd put money in that just, <laughs> just to, to see, see what, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you on that one, Joe. In this case, they are uh, crabs that are alive. And uh, but the the vending machine itself is chilled so that they are, you know, dormant. They're right. They're, they're, they're asleep. Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> which is good because I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Having a, a live and active crab dispensed out of a vending machine while entertaining would probably not have the results you were hoping for. <laughs> uh, and obviously you would use this to buy a crab and then take it home and, and eat it. Uh, oh, man. What a horror when the crab machine breaks down. Yeah. Well, you could always go to the lobster machine, and I'm not making that up either. There was actually, at first I thought it was only a single restaurant in Las Vegas, but apparently at some point or another there were about eight of these machines uh, along the Vegas Strip and in Fremont as well. And um, they are... Wait, you're serious, a lobster I, machine. I'm absolutely serious, yeah. As a, it was, You know those, cra- those claw games that you see in uh, arcades where they have like the stuffed animals and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those, except it has live lobsters, main lobsters in it. It's a saltwater tank with a claw at the top and a joystick that controls the claw. You put two bucks in, you maneuver the claw, you push the button, the claw goes down. If it grabs a lobster and places it in the bucket, typically they would take a picture of you with the lobster and then cook it up for you. For free. For free. Yeah. This particular restaurant I was looking at, they did that for free. Like, so your lobster meal would cost two bucks. Yeah, I mean, assuming, assuming that, that you, that got you it could... on the first try. Right, right. Those crane games. I They're mean, so rigged. They're yeah, so they rigged. Yeah, they couldn't pick up a stuffed animal. How could they pick up Here's a live the lobster? Thing. The very first time I ever played a crane game, I won a stuffed animal. The very first time. How many times have I won something since then? Zero. <laughs> I used to go to a laundromat that had a crane game full of knives. That's almost as good as the lobsters. <laughs> I... I want to put in that, like, I'm offended on a humanity level that that there are claw games with live animals in them. I'm, yeah, I'm not. But, I'm not even that touchy feely about it's a lobster. It's a cockroach that lives underwater. I'm aware of that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's like I am not like a member of PETA or anything like I mean, that. I, I left out the man. puppy vending machine. Oh. I didn't include that one, but oh. no, I'm just. There was not a puppy vending oh, machine. Oh wow, show. <laughs> you just made us really sad. <laughs> let's talk about something else. Right, let's talk about, about pizza. Yeah, so the Let's Pizza vending machines. These uh, took off in Italy and also uh, I. Believe I believe you can find them in the UK. I don't know if there are any in the United States, but these are vending machines that make a pizza for you to order when you order it. So there's not like a bunch of cheese pizzas that just get heated up and then served to you. Instead, 
when you put your money in and you make your selection, uh, let's say you want a pepperoni pizza, then it'll go ahead and mix flour and water together to make dough. It'll knead that dough. It'll ro roll the dough out, put the sauce, the cheese, the pepperoni on your pizza, cook it with an infrared oven. And the whole thing, the whole process supposedly takes about three minutes from start to finish. Hmm. Wow. And then you get your own like made to order pepperoni pizza. Um, I have no idea if it's any good. <laughs> But, huh. but when I looked at that, I was like, I kind of want to try one just as, just to kind of experience it and see if is this. How does it stack up to the 3D printed pizza? Yeah, yeah really. That's the real question. Yeah. yeah I, obviously, there is a taste test that is in, in need. And I think forward thinking is up to the task. Um, and then there are also French fry vending machines. You need some fries to go with your pizza? Yeah. <laughs> this was one of those things that when I heard about it, I'm like, please tell me that it fries the fries right then and there. Because I can't stand the thought of just stale French fries. Oh, yeah. Nothing is a, worse than stale French uh, fries. It's pretty awful. So in case these are actually frozen fries that are flash fried when you put in your money. I supposedly uh, these are vending machines that you can find in Australia. So you put your money in, flash fries the fries, serves them up to you in a little little container, and you can take your fries and mm -hmm. munch them on the way home. And uh, I decided to end this list. I mean, there's tons of stuff we could talk about. I mean, just just Japan alone. Oh, sure, sure. I, well, I mean, even here in Atlanta, there's a cupcake vending machine. Yeah, yeah. There there are a couple of different cupcake vending machines that I came across when I was looking, and they even can put sprinkles on them. Mm -hmm. uh, but the one I was looking at the, in Paris, you can buy baguettes from vending machines. So if you want your baguette. Yes. I mean, it makes perfect sense for, for Paris. Uh, now we get to a point where we start talking about whether or not there's actually a future for vending machines. And the reason why we even have this discussion is when Joe first brought up this listener mail and said we should do this. My first reaction was that vending machines, how are they relevant now? Because I was thinking about another story that broke recently here in Atlanta. Atlanta is one of the markets where Amazon is rolling out its Prime Now service, which is where if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can order something and for free, you can get the delivery within two hours for certain items. Uh, and for an additional fee, you can get it within an hour of ordering it. And I thought in a world where I can sit at home and order whatever it is I want and get it within an hour without leaving my house, why would I even care about vending machines? I mean, we had talked about the potential for vending machines to replace uh, brick-and-mortar stores. They have a much lower footprint, much smaller footprint, so obviously there's that that has a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, attractive factor to it. But then I was thinking, but I don't, I don't even have to leave my house. And then I thought, wait, sometimes I do leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> and those rare occasions when I leave my house and I'm somewhere else, I might want to get something and yet not talk to anybody. How can I do that without becoming the most, you know, socially awkward or standoffish person? Well, vending machines, that's a great solution, right? I can get the stuff I need from a vending machine while I'm out and about and yet not have to interface, uh, talk to a person. Yeah, I, I think in a broader sense, this is sort of, the question about where and when commerce is going to happen in yeah. the future. Mm -hmm. uh, because a just one example, a perhaps unfortunate fact for people who work as cashiers is that like determining the cost of an item and then accepting payment and then making change 
are all tasks that are pretty easy to automate, as we've seen from the self-checkout lines at the grocery store. Oh, right. sure. Uh, or the hardware store. Yeah, and it's it's kind of strange, in my opinion, that there are still as many cashiers left with jobs as there are. I mean, I'm sorry to say that. I don't mean, like, that your you skills don't deserve aren't jobs. valuable. Yeah, but... Cashiers can do all kinds of great things mm-hmm. that, that computers can't do. You know, they can help you. Uh, you know, they can interact with you personally. Mm-hmm. They can take stuff out to your car for you. Yeah. Um, they they do provide a lot of services that can't be automated, but it just seems like, I don't know, businesses that are in the mindset of, uh, you know, let's slash all the features and get it down to the bare bones. I think there's going to be a lot of that going on, a lot of automation of the selling point kind of uh, uh, tasks there. But couple that with the sort of increasing demand to scale down physical space, especially in urban areas, and the approach of on-demand manufacturing, and it seems to me like you've got a recipe for an economy in which vending machines replace many kinds of other traditional points of sale, like Hmm. stores and kiosks and stuff. Uh, One example that I thought about was books. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about... What happens when you buy a new book? And let's say, you know, you're not ordering it. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, let's say you want a paper book and not the e-book kind. And there are still bookstores. You know, you can go out to a Barnes and Noble or something like that. Pulped dead trees. They're great. I've heard tell of such places. So imagine you're the person, Jonathan, that would walk (laughs) into a bookstore and buy a new copy of a book. Okay. Why wouldn't that store be replaced with a book vending machine? And it doesn't need to hold copies of every book that there could possibly be in the store. It just needs digital memory banks, paper, cover material, glue, ink. That's, you know, that's so about print, it. Print on demand is what mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, about. exactly. You key in your selection, authorize payment, the machine prints out and binds your book in a few minutes. I mean, how many other types of products could this be applied to? Uh, with with 3D printing and all kinds of technology like that, sure. I yeah. do imagine that it would probably take longer than a few minutes, depending on how long the book is. But right. even so, you could have right, it Right, if be... you're looking at like things that have to dry, like ink and glue and Right, stuff. But, but you could totally have it be a thing where you make your order, you go do something else, and when you come back, your book is done, and then you put in a little code and it drops your book in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see that. Like there, Even if you have the objection of some of these things we propose take more time to put together than just a few minutes using the technology of of creating a, a unique code identifier for each consumer so that when your order is ready you just go up and it's just like the old vending machines where you want to get that candy bar you put your code in but instead of it opening up so that it you know or unraveling so your candy bar falls down it drops the appropriate order into the receptacle and then mm-hmm. you pick it up and and probably you wouldn't even have to enter your code it would just scan your eyeball or yeah. or your Brain implant RFID just, chip. It or, would just look at me and go like, "Oh yeah, I remember this guy. He has terrible taste in books. Here's oh, your schmuck. copy. Yeah, yeah. Here's your Dan Brown. Here's your Tech War. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I, I totally see your point, Joe. And, and like, especially part is part of a distant future, as you know, one of those moves towards automating all of these low skill jobs and, and letting people do more creative, fulfilling jobs, Mm -hmm. uh, which is hypothetically great. Um, But, you know, at at risk of sounding completely obvious, just because something can be automated doesn't mean that it's necessarily easier. It certainly doesn't mean that it's cheaper. 
Um, and it might not even be more desirable. I mean, if you suggested to the owner of, of a privately owned secondhand bookstore that they buy a robot instead of manning the desk themselves. Well, I guess it depends on the temperament of the bookstore owner. Yeah, like, I'm, you know, the. Oh, you mean like black and black books? Yeah. I mean, but, but I, but I would, I would argue that black and black books, his main pleasure in life comes from being disdainful to people who come into his bookshop. Yeah, yeah, but he could just sit outside and drink wine and be disdainful of people as they walk into his bookshop. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Either either way, I imagine that you would elicit a strong response from from that sort of suggestion. And I would posit that there is something to be said for having the human element in small daily interactions. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of psychological research done on the types of societies in which automated vending has taken off and the effects of not interacting with humans as often. Um, the, the results of those psychological studies, of course, are like, meow, we don't know yet. More research needs to be done, as often happens in psychological studies. Um and as far as the expense goes, I wanted to bring up an interesting application of automated vending. This is a this is an automated robotic library at the University of Chicago. It uses this huge robotic system to retrieve materials. Um, its stacks take up one seventh of the usual space, which is pretty cool. Uh, its reading room is huge and light filled and gorgeous because you don't have to worry about the kind of uh, the kind of light issues that that sensitive materials have you yeah. know it, it can store those sensitive materials much more carefully with, with much less interaction with unnecessary dirty librarian hands yeah all the oils and stuff that could damage the materials uh, sure that there is still library staff of course to help you out and and help you figure out what you're looking for and how to find it um we should do the future of libraries someday we absolutely should and the thing only cost like $81 million. Yeah, it's easily within every library's budget. Yeah. <laughs> we, ow, ow. The big, the big, big money-making uh, uh, <laughs> organizations that are libraries. I keep wanting to say libraries just to be. Libraries. Just to be, just to be contrary. Well, um, you know, any library is expensive given that the containment systems for dangerous librarians. Yes. Oh, the librarians with their clawed hands and. Their habit of of uh, you don't listen to Night Vale, do you, Joe? No. Yeah, sorry. This uh, librarians all, yeah. are pretty terrifying creatures, as it in turns Welcome out. In Welcome to Night Vale, yeah. 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 Well, also in real life. So, uh, <laughs> oh, disc. I know oh. librarians. They are terrifying. <laughs> They're awesome in the true sense of the word. They inspire awe. Anyway, uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention is that. If we do move to a future where vending becomes more of a commonplace sort of means of getting materials when you are, you know, products, services, whatever, I guess it'd have to be goods. I mean, you might get a coupon for a service that way. But uh, if that happens to be more prevalent in the future, there are other questions this brings up. I mean, obviously, what happens to the people who would otherwise be employed by the brick and mortar versions of the stores, which we've kind of touched upon, that is a question that we don't necessarily have an answer to. I mean, ideally, yes, they get better jobs doing something else. But that's kind of a pie in the sky, idealized world answer, not a real world answer. Also, what happens to the space of the brick and mortar stores that go out of business when something like this, where you have the combination of services like Amazon uh, Prime Now and vending machines out in public, when all of that is meeting many of our needs, maybe not all of them, but enough of them, what happens to all the space for the stores that used to do those things? 
What do we turn that into? That's a really interesting question that we can't really answer here. We didn't prepare for that. Uh, but I think that could be a fun episode in the future to talk about as we get more efficient, as we create these new on-demand uh, services that can do things like create furniture or books or whatever you might think of in these these this on-demand manufacturing world, what do we do with all the space that used to be there just to hold the stuff? Build more apartments and water slides? I am in favor of the water slides. Uh, depending upon where in town you want to put those apartments, I got some strong opinions about that. But that's because of traffic in my neighborhood. Anyway, uh, I, I am curious about that. I think we should do an episode at some point about, you know, some of the other perhaps uh, problems that we don't really necessarily consider that could go along with this amazing vision of the future. What what do we do with that? And if it all turns out to be water slides, that's an awesome conversation all by itself. Yeah. I'm also curious what our listeners think. What do you think about live crabs? Or life, life crabs. crabs, life crabs and librarians. That should be the title of this episode, uh, which <laughs> would make no sense whatsoever. But I'm OK with that occasionally. Um, I probably won't call it life crabs and, and librarians. But I am curious what you guys think about vending machines. Also, just the idea of what happens to the people and the space that would normally be dedicated to things that vending machines could potentially replace. Do you think there is a future? Do you think this whole vending machine thing is one of those deals that's always going to have like a niche, but it's never going to get bigger than that? That's a valid response, but I'm curious what you guys think. Also, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Forward Thinking, I'd like to hear those as well. Can you get in touch with us by writing us an email? The address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. Or drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. At Twitter and Google+, we are FWThinking. At Facebook, just search FWThinking, and the search bar will pop up. You can join the conversation, send us a message. We read all of them. We really enjoy them. Keep them coming. And we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit ForwardThinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. There are choices that can change your life. Like the choice to start routine colorectal cancer screening at age 45. It's one of the most common cancers for women and men, and it doesn't always have symptoms. But there's good news. Routine screening can catch colorectal cancer early and even prevent it. 
And there's even better news. You have screening options. Make the choice to put your health first. Talk to your doctor about your screening options or visit cdc.gov slash screen for life for more information. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 